One of the best things that has come out of COVID and being for long stretches of time, being forced to be inside are some of the creative artistic expressions and creative artistic unimaginable things that that have emerged online that we never maybe would have thought of ever before or have imagined but but then imagined and reimagined and repurposed for lack of a better word really and I want to talk about one of those for a moment to kind of set the set the foundation on what I'm talking about. And you might be familiar with uh, Eric Whitaker and the virtual choir. If you just go to Google and type in virtual choir, Eric Whitaker, W-H-I-T-A-C-E-R, what you'll find is these virtual choirs. And what the virtual choirs are, is, and he's been doing this for a long time, long before um, the pandemic, long before we had to, before there was these long stretches of being, you know, in the house and not leaving. And I, I can't imagine if you're part of a choir and have that passion for singing and and being with people and just the joy of, of music. And then having that just cut short and not being able to meet with people and having to find new ways to do that. And so Eric Whitaker and his virtual choir, while he's been doing this a long time, uh, it's radically shifted during during the pandemic. And so what he does is uh, and he's I've seen other other people do it, but he's just for me, he's masterful. He he has people you have to try out or apply, but people record themselves on video um, and they send these in to him uh, and then he pieces them together so that you have, you know, 500, 1,000, 1,500. This past this latest one that he did was over 17,000 people singing together. And because they send in these videos and he has brilliant tech musical sound engineers and people far above my pay grade can put them all together. And then he makes this video that this virtual choir that he presents to the world. And he did this uh, over a year ago. And um, and it just ugh, it just even thinking about it, I get emotional. And it's the song is is sing gently, singing gently singing gently. And the, what's interesting is the video is over 10 minutes long and the song itself is only about three and a half minutes. Everything else, the seven plus minutes that's the rest is the credits because there's thousands and thousands and thousands of people singing from all over the world that, that put together. And it's just brilliant. It's just brilliant. And some of the, here's a few of the words that come from the song. May we sing together always. May our voice be soft. May our singing be music for others. And may it keep others aloft. I love that. May our singing be music for others. And may it keep others aloft. And then it goes on to say, this is my favorite part. Sing. Sing gently always. Sing. Sing as one. As one. May we stand together always. May our voice be strong. May we hear the singing and may we always sing along. Sing, sing gently, always. Sing, 
sing as one, sing gently as one. I love the words because I, I'm part musician, not a professional musician. I grew up playing piano. I grew up in choirs. I grew up singing in church. Um, my sister plays the guitar. You know, we're kind of a musical family. And so the idea of singing gently and singing with others, really, I come alive at the idea of singing with others. I come alive at the idea of um, when he says, sing gently always and sing as one. Sing as one. One of the reasons I wanted to talk about this today is that you're watching this on May 15th. And we're right in the middle of the month. And if you don't know, May is uh, National Mental Health Awareness or Mental Illness Awareness Month. So I wanted to tie it to, because these words, sing gently, sing gently always, sing as one, um, is, is much bigger than just singing, really. And I wanted to connect it to, to mental health. Uh, I wanted to connect it to our to caring for our mental health and not just the specifics of singing, but the idea of singing gently, right? And singing as one, the idea of being gentle. And what does that really mean? Are we really gentle? Are we gentle with ourselves, right? Do we sing as one? And I don't just mean literal singing, right? So as I kind of, you know, sat and I listened to the video over and over and over, and again, just go Google virtual choir, Eric Whitaker and sing gently. Um, as I listened to it over and over and over, that's how much I love the song. It takes me to a place that reminds me that I am not alone. I am never alone. I have times, I have days where I feel alone right? I forget that I'm part of something greater. And when I say, you know, when I hear these words from him singing gently as one, I'm not, I'm not talking about the metaphysical concept of oneness. I'm, I'm talking about down in the dirt, real life in this human experience, because we are fully human and fully divine, right? So in this human experience as one, not, not the idea of oneness, I am, that I get, but what does that look like and what does it mean in our lived experience? And what I realized is that to sing gently and to sing gently as one is sort of like part of an equation. It's kind of part of this puzzle. It's part of my, my um, prescription for mental health. And what I mean by that is that to, to sing gently is part of what what we what I would call lamenting, right? Or lamentations, which is not a word you hear very often. It's an old word. Um, how, you know, think about um, how often do you actually hear it in the media? How often do you actually hear it in conversations or see it in books that you're reading? Almost never. Um, I rarely hear it. I know when I when I do hear the word lamentations, because I'm a minister, because I've been through seminary and and I'm a Bible nerd, my mind goes to the book of lamentations, right? Which is a book about lamenting. 
it's a book that's that's a whole body, a whole a whole being experience of grief, and it's and more than that. Um, lamenting is a spiritual practice, just like grief is. Um, but to sing gently as one is the part of the equation that that you know as I'm moving. Um, into more joy as I'm moving into more coming back to life as I'm I'm you know moving into coming home to myself right which is sort of a connecting to last week's talk but the practice of lamenting I think is a is a lost experience um I mean let's face it as I already said it's kind of an archaic word we don't really hear it and you don't use it and I think you know, when we do think about it, um, it tends to be and as, you know, oh, lamenting and so dramatic and overly weeping and gnashing of the teeth and on it, right? And just sobbing and and um, just and shrieking, right? And sometimes if we have a huge judgment about it, it might even be an Oscar winning performance of lamenting. And yet it's a there's life giving wisdom. And it's a practice that really is lost. But the singing gently as one is just part of that. The other piece of it, of this, for me, this equation of mental health and, you know, caring for my mental health is to weep strongly. To weep strongly, right? Think think about our culture. Think about the last time that either you were kind of a little sobby or or someone else was a little bit, you know, but think about for yourself. How often, and be honest, be honest, be honest, how often do you find yourself tearing up and then cut it off? How often do you find yourself tearing up about something and then you go, I'm sorry to get so emotional. Ah, stop apologizing. It's it's a necessary practice to lament. It's actually a revolutionary thing. It's one of the most revolutionary things we can do in life. And Lord knows we live in a time and have been living in a time that calls for lamentation, that calls for weep strongly, sing gently. Right? And none of it is for alone. We're not designed to be alone. Biologically, we were designed as we're herd animals, right? To be in herds, to be together. We're biologically wired to do this life together. The Book of Lamentations, uh, it's actually just five poems. And, and it's not very long. It's in the Hebrew Testament. And it's poem, It's five poems that are full of sorrow, they're full of outrage, they're full of pain, and they're reflections by the prophet Jeremiah. And what he's reflecting on is the destruction of the temple uh, back in 586 BCE, and then the subsequent exile for the Jewish people. So there is this, well, there's all this pain and there's all this sorrow over the loss um, and more lost than even we can imagine today, really, there's also an, a measure of acceptance of what is, right? And this expression of hope for what is to come. And, and the emotions that are expressed in the poems are, are um, things that are beyond our control, right? That are out of reach, like death, 
like jobs ending, like a pandemic, right? Like illness and relationship losses. And we're seeing more and more, you know, um, as, as more and more out of control, more and more sense of I have no control, more and more sense of getting stuck, feeling paralyzed, you know, uh, just what I call ARG, right? When I don't have a word and, and I know that I'm worked up, that's the word I use is, is ARG. So you can use that. But lamentations is um, can be a kind of a little bit strange. You know, again, it's kind of archaic, but think about it. Think about, like, say the word. As you're listening to it, you can say it out loud. To lament, lamentations, right? I've come to call them kitchen floor moments. Kitchen floor moments. And what I mean by that is that when something is going on that is so overwhelming for me, I just sort of, I'm kind of lean against the wall and slide down the wall, or I kind of slide down the cupboard until I'm this little puddle on the floor. It's a kitchen floor moment, might be a bathroom floor, but it's the allowing myself to collapse, really, and it's okay. It's good to, that's the weeping strongly. Like use it, it's powerful to weep strongly. It's only half half of the journey, right? It's just half of the the piece, you know, of a puzzle. It's got a half of the equation because what's going to follow it is to sing gently. The word lament means to mourn or to grieve out loud. It's, <clears throat> as I said, it's sort of wailing and um, gnashing of the teeth, and it, you know, it might be guttural utterances. Um, even uh, Jesus. Um, use the practice in his teachings. And the practice is well known outside of the U.S. It's well known in Middle Eastern world. It's well known in the continent of Africa. It's it's well known in a lot of places, um, just not so much in the U.S. because we have we have socialized ourselves out of it. And we just see it as it's something that other people do that are overly dramatic. Well, they're just carrying on. Well, please carry on. Do yourself a favor, weep strongly, and then move into sing gently, which I'm going to say a little more about. But because grief, right, sadness, powerlessness is always a part of life, right? With every death, it came equipped, with every birth, sorry, it came equipped with its death, always, always and forever. With every birth, of anything, an idea, a person, an event, animal, plant, it came equipped with its own death. So of course it's a natural part of life, which I think most of us get cognitively, but this is why lamenting becomes a necessary part of our journey because it is healing, right? It is moving through despair and powerlessness, not forever and ever, you know, not just once and then we're done, but this this energy of weep strongly, sing gently, weep strongly, sing gently. Right. It's a it's a movement of energy. There's no stopping. It's moving communally. The Bible and, and actually most sacred texts are full of grieving. They're full of lamenting. They're also full of joy. They're also full of gratitude. But in the Hebrew Testament, King David had a life full of loss. When his infant son was sick, his son was sick for a week. 
And the whole time his son was sick, as the story is written, David lay on the floor wailing and grieving. He wouldn't eat. He wouldn't drink water. Um, he refused to get up. Um, that's uh, That was the lamenting, the, the weeping strongly piece of lamenting. Um, he, and then eventually his baby did die. And that's when he got up and he washed himself off and he moved back into life. That's the singing gently, right? Singing gently as one, right? We move back into life, but we don't do it alone. In the Christian Testament, we see, of course, the disciples, they're devastated. They're standing at the foot of the cross um, at the feet of Jesus. And, you know, what are they doing? They are weeping strongly. They're not holding back, right? Sometimes, and I think most of us are familiar with this, we've certainly lived it a lot. Sometimes life happens so fast that we lose our sense of how the world works. It happens so quickly that we lose a sense of, well, what keeps me safe, right? What gave my life meaning? Where's the joy? Where's the passion? What happened to, you know, it's so fast. It's so fast that we can lose our sense, we lose our way, right? We lose a sense of how the world works. I lose a sense of how I work. And this is that, that, and it's not just mental health, you know, it's emotional health. It's, you know, I can lose my sense of, okay, is there a God? Like, what is it? For some people, it's where, like, I don't know, you know, we lose our footing. So lamenting is a step toward rebuilding and redefining our own reality. Right? We may lose a perception of ourselves. We lose, you know, what people around us are like. You know, the relationships change. And it's like, um, I thought I could kind of count on you for that, but maybe not so much, but not so much anymore. Or, you know, I I used to really enjoy fill in the blank, but I don't know that I do anymore. You know, I'm not sure what my purpose or my meaning is. We're very hooked on purpose and meaning. I got to discern my purpose. Heck, we have SEE classes. I got to find my joy, right? I got to, I got to, I got to. No, you don't got to, right? In the course of our lifetime, we're going to lose a lot of things, a lot of people, a lot of places, a lot of things. So we're always being provided a doorway, an opportunity for lamentation. We're always being provided an opportunity to weep strongly, sing gently right? Weep strongly, sing gently. It's, it's a, if you need a checklist for moving through change, there you go. But I'm not a huge fan of a lot of checklists, although I do need them to keep myself on task. But that's how I move fully into anger, through the anger, into pain, through the pain. You know, when I find myself tripped up by why, why did this happen? You know, does this have something to do with karma, you know, or punishment when, you know, or why, when I keep going into the why, right? That's, that's a good sign for Kelly. Pause. Weep strongly, whatever that looks like. Bathroom room moment, bathroom floor moment, kitchen floor moment, but not cutting it off, making no apologies, not doing it alone right? Fall apart. 
Let people see you. Give them a chance to, to be there with you. Let someone love you. So fall apart. You have full permission to fall apart. Trust me, nobody cares about your the ugly face you make when you cry. Really, nobody does. We're the only ones. So do yourself a favor. Weep strongly. Sing gently. You know, we're taught when we move into the why. Why is this happening? Why? You know, and we keep asking why because we want to understand. Right. We think if we can understand and make sense, then it'll be easier that the pain will be less. But it's actually untrue. It actually keeps us stuck. You know, we're taught at a very, very early age to pull things apart. Right. If I can pull this thing apart, pull out the pieces and then I can understand them. And we think if we can see all the parts, I can understand them. And if that happens, then my pain will be lessened. And it's just not so. It's just not so. In fact, the first step in lamenting is to stop pulling things apart, to stop the why, right? Stop trying to understand and rather allow the depth of the experience to emerge. That's weeping strongly. Just allow it. It's not going to break you. It's not going to kill you. You're not going to stay stuck there forever. I guarantee you, you won't. So rather than focusing on the why, which is trying to understand by pulling it apart, we shift our, let me shift my attention to what, right? What got broken open by the life experience? Not why did this break open, but what got opened? What got opened by this experience? What is wanting to emerge? And then, then when we do that, That's part of the weeping strongly, being able to shift to what got opened and allow it to emerge. Then we can move into the singing gently. Lamenting is letting things in rather than breaking things down, right? It's this journey of letting things in, letting them emerge, and then building or, you know, this experience becomes the bridge back to life. Ask yourself. When I'm confronted by life, by the unexpected things that really rock my world, do I isolate? Do I not tell people? Do I keep it to myself because I'm trying to pull things apart to try to make sense of it? Do I write in my journal? Do I, you know, do things? Do I type up? You know, do I do things alone to try to understand the why, right, to solve my pain? Or do I connect to the experience and to life and listen to its wisdom? Do I use the experience as the bridge to what's next, right? Do I, do I isolate and shut down and close off? Or do I be brave and bridge my small troubled heart back to the world? We get to choose. That bridge is the connector, right? That bridge is always healing. And it's never, it's not a destination, right? Weep strongly, sing gently is always a movement, is always this dance, right? Think of an infinity loop. Weep strongly, sing gently. More life, we weep strongly, we sing gently. And the bridge is to sing gently. And what does singing look like? 
I don't know. It looks different for everybody. It could literally be singing. Turn on your favorite song and sing as loud as you can. You know, we do it in our cars all the time when we're driving. We think nobody can see us. And um, how fabulously silly do we look? Sing at the top of your lungs. Some people do it in the shower, right? In whatever way. And so maybe singing gently is not actually singing, but maybe it's just being with someone. Gardening. Maybe it's being with someone out and having coffee, right? Being with someone having a meal, being with someone walking your dogs together in the park. The singing gently is the communal activity that is that bridge, right? Connecting myself to what lives at the heart of grief, that what lives at the heart of lamenting, right? It's to be a witness, to allow yourself to be witnessed. So the singing gently, I don't have to be the one that's weeping strongly to sing gently. I can sing gently with you and be a witness for you, be a living, breathing tool that is a pathway for all of us to join in. And that's the sing gently as one, right? Weep strongly, sing gently. That bridge of lamentations, it's found deep within our heart. It awakens us, it enlivens us, it resurrects us, right? Think of David. Each one of us have those moments when we lie on the floor, literally or figuratively. So our job, John, our role, what we have the capacity for is being fully human and fully divine, right? Is to weep strongly, just let go. Let go of all the stuff in your mind that says you're not supposed to and go for it. Be the, be the you know, hospice and midwife at the same time. Weep strongly, sing gently. So let's take that idea into meditation. If you're comfortable, you can close your outer eyes. Or you can lower your gaze. But find yourself being comfortable. And if that means Taking a deep breath, then do that. Finding comfort within yourself, being settled in your body. Take a deep breath, inhale and exhale. And place the words, weep strongly, sing gently. Place those words on your heart. Imagine within yourself, literally placing those words in the heart. Weep strongly, sing gently.
weep strongly. What's alive in my world, wanting my attention for me to weep strongly? What's alive in my world? Asking for my attention that I might pause and weep strongly. Remember, lamenting is this journey of letting things in. And it becomes a bridge back to life. It becomes a bridge not to erase an experience, not to deny an emotions, but a bridge to a wholeness of our life which is our joys and our sufferings. The weep strongly is the beginning of the experience to remind us that we don't do this alone. That's what that bridge back to life is, is remembering the power of the other the other person, the other loved one. So pause for a moment and connect yourself to what lives at the heart of your grief, what lives at the heart of your lamenting, what lives at the heart of great vulnerability and weep strongly. And knowing that as we allow that in and, and touch what got open, not why something happened, but touch what got opened. We move, we take the strong weeping. We take that with us into singing gently, for it is the energy of our weeping that helps sustain the singing gently. We sing gently as one, because we know our shared humanity. We affirm that my life is as it is because of you. And your life is as it is because of me. I believe we all need to desperately reclaim for our well-being, for our sense of wholeness 
and belonging this practice. To weep strongly, to sing gently. May we sing together always. May our voice be soft. May our singing be music for others. And may it keep others aloft. Sing, sing gently always. Sing, sing as one. May we stand together always. May our voice be strong. May we hear the singing and may we always sing along. Sing, sing gently, always. Sing, sing as one. Singing gently as one. Hold that last line for a moment in the quiet. Singing gently as one. May we sing together always, singing gently as one. And so it is, and so it is, amen.